Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Well, guys, we did it. We made it through another week of 2020, one week closer to the general election. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably either going to be Labor Day or will be after Labor Day. So happy Labor Day to everybody. I hope you guys had a great weekend. And it's weird that it's Labor Day already. It feels like it was just Memorial Day and like summer's kind of unofficially over, but it feels like it never really started because we just live in this weird kind of place now. And this is just going to be, this is going to be a weird year on many, many levels, obviously, but just, I was thinking about it. I'm like, this is going to be such a weird lost year where nobody really did anything. And people are already kind of starting to talk about and speculate what the holidays are going to look like, like Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's now that we can't really have parties or not really supposed to be traveling places. What exactly that's going to look like this year? And it's just going to be just a, a lost year, kind of, for many reasons. But let me go ahead and start where I always start. And that is with unemployment. And this week is kind of a, a, a grab bag here. There's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, good news. And of course, I always have to kind of preface this by saying this is what counts as good news nowadays. Normally, this would be horrifyingly bad news. But for the week of August 29th, um, initial unemployment claims came in at 833,000, which is obviously still horrendously high, but is the lowest weekly number that we have had since the COVID crisis started. So, uh, I mean, I'm taking what I can get here. Like, <laughs> 833,000 people filing for unemployment in one week is still a huge number, but it is a number that is lower than any of the other numbers that I've reported since I started reporting on these numbers. So I mean, hopefully maybe there's a little something helpful there. And I know in the last episode, I had mentioned that we didn't have the jobs report out yet. Um, it has now come out, the August job reports, and it's kind of... Eh, um, in August, we added 1.37 million jobs, um, 1 million of them in the private sector, which is better than what economists were expecting. They were expecting just more like a 1.3 number. But if you'll remember, for June and July, we added 2 million jobs a month. So definitely off from those numbers. So like I said, this is a bit of a grab bag. Um it seems like the the economic recovery is kind of hitting a little bit of a slowdown. Like I said, August obviously did not match up to June and July's numbers. Um, unemployment is now down to 8.4%, which is the lowest it has been since the pandemic started. And it is the first time that we've gotten back down to a single digit. So hooray for that. Um, obviously, that's still an extremely high number. And just for contrast, I was doing some research for a piece that I'm writing and came across a little stat of where we were at unemployment wise this time last year. It was at 3.5%. So obviously still, still bad, still really, really bad. But I mean, it's maybe getting a little bit better. It's so hard to try to kind of parse these numbers because I report on the weekly unemployment numbers and it's still, it's still a bloodbath every week. But 
we have some of these somewhat improving numbers, and I don't know exactly how to parse those two things, especially since we did not add as many jobs in August as we did in June and July, but we still had that unemployment rate drop. So I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that it's not kind of like a false positive in the way where we don't have people kind of falling off the unemployment rolls. Because of course, if you initially filed in say late March or April, I mean, it is now September. This would be the time where people's unemployment would start running out, even on the state level, um, depending on what your particular state did as far as extending unemployment benefits. Under normal circumstances, you're normally about 15 weeks. I know a lot of states expanded that, but again, it, it varies from state to state. So I'm hoping that it is a true kind of bounce in the unemployment rate and not just people kind of falling off the rolls. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that hopefully maybe this holiday season, like I said, like I said in the last weekly roundup, it's definitely going to be a weird one retail-wise. I don't think in-store retail is going to be anything like it is normally under the holiday seasons, but I think a lot of that traffic is going to switch over to online. So maybe various stores will be hiring for their seasonal workers. And like I said, that's definitely going to be a weird situation because seasonal workers for like for the holidays, it's nationwide usually. And obviously if we're going to more of an online thing, it's just going to be based more around those areas where distribution centers are. So it's definitely going to be like a, like a more concentrated sort of hiring thing. And one thing that's kind of keeping that job number for August as high as it is, is census workers. Um, The federal government hired, I believe it was 268,000 census workers, you know, the people that go door to door to make sure that you filled out your forms and everything. But that is going to be ending. I forget if they're ending it this year in September or October. I know they're ending it earlier than usual just because of COVID. Um, I want to say it's October, but obviously those are temporary jobs. And then once that job is over, then these people will be back on unemployment, I would presume, or I don't know exactly how that would be handled because of course, obviously they took a temp job. So I don't know where that really leaves them unemployment status wise, but those are people that will be probably back on the unemployment rolls once their census jobs are over. So I don't know, fingers crossed. We'll see. Hopefully the holiday season can help the economy at least a little bit. Hopefully, maybe. I mean, there's still going to be sectors of the economy, especially like travel, like hospitality, that are still going to be very, very much in trouble because, of course, a lot of those industries do rely on the holidays for that kind of that that bump. And it's just, it's not going to happen this year. And I'm not quite sure, like, normally Black Friday is the big year or the big day out of the year where retailers kind of make up for losses that they had in like the prior months of the year. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but the transition to online has been something that's been going on for a while. I think it's just going to accelerate this year. So I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like numbers wise for retail. Um, A lot of states still are not opening up as far as like in-person dining and kind of hotels and stuff like that. So a lot of that holiday travel this year and a lot a lot of that holiday like festivities and, and kind of going out to eat and people having parties and people hosting parties places, that's not going to happen this year. I mean, like I'm thinking like, you know, like office Christmas parties and stuff like that or people that have 
rent out like ballrooms and hotels to have parties. Like obviously none of that's happening this year. So I don't know. Fingers crossed that we just kind of limp it through the rest of this year and then maybe get to 2021 and figure out something. But moving on from unemployment, and I want to pick up on the Portland situation because that's where I left off in the last episode because, well, not the last episode, the last weekly roundup, because when I recorded that last Sunday, the details of what happened in Portland as far as the shooting is concerned were still kind of up in the air, very iffy. We basically just knew that somebody got shot in Portland. So the person who got shot in Portland was Aaron Danielson, and he was a member of Patriot Prayer. And it seems like what happened is last Sunday, or is it last Saturday, last Saturday, Saturday night-ish, um, they were having a pro-Trump rally in Portland and they were having like one of these truck rallies, you know, where everybody like they get in the truck and then they have their their Trump flags and American flags and whatever flags and then they go drive around like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, I've seen reports that there were people in the trucks shooting paintballs out at the other protesters. Guys, do not do that. Paintballs hurt. Do not shoot people with paintballs. And just a lot of kind of antagonistic sort of stuff. And so at some point, again, I'm not entirely sure why. And again, people don't do this. Danielson and one of his friends went out walking. Guys, if you want to go do your truck rally, fine. Do your truck rally, stay in your truck, and then go the fuck home. Like, don't be out wandering the damn streets when there are riots going on, when there are people armed, like just don't, don't put yourself in that situation. Don't go out looking for trouble. You will find it. So him and his friend are out wandering around, I guess, looking at the situation. Why? I don't know. So enter Michael Forrest Renal. He is the guy who ended up shooting Danielson to death. The story is that Renal and one of his friends, who is a person of color, and it's very important that you know that it was a person of color. It's very important to Renal for you to know that. Um, they came upon Danielson and his friend. Um, Renal thought that Danielson was either getting ready to like shoot him or mace him or something, and he opened fire on him and he killed him. So, that is not where the story ends, though. <laughs> This is, this, you know what? Honestly, this is like a really, really crazy ass story, to be completely honest. So after all this happens, um, Renal is not apprehended at the scene. He goes home, I guess. I would presume he goes home. And through a series of events, it's, and this is how, this is how Vice News describes how this went down, is that Renal reached out to a freelance journalist who then reached out to Vice News Vice News then sent a, a videographer and an interviewer to go interview Renal. I swear to God, if this dude had a lawyer, <laughs> he probably would have shot Renal himself. But he gives this interview to Vice News where he admits that he did shoot Danielson and he claims it was self-defense. Stop me if you think you've heard this one before. Um, a lot of this is kind of similar to the Kyle Rittenhouse situation and where you've got people out here armed roaming around the streets and shit happens because 
you get people out here armed roaming around the damn streets. So he gives this interview to Vice News. Why in God's name you would do that, I don't know. And that's nothing against Vice News. It's just that you don't go to the press and admit that you killed someone. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Anywho, moving on from that, um, I believe it was this Friday that authorities show up to arrest Reinald. And here's the thing, and I'm going to describe this to you, and bear in mind, I'm somebody who tries to keep my principles and apply them across the board, no matter what person we're talking about here. So they show up to arrest Renal. You've got U.S. Marshals, the FBI, and local PD all rolling up to arrest this one dude who to the best of my knowledge, and nobody has come forth to say otherwise, was not posing a threat to anybody else at that moment in time. It's not like he had, like, a bomb strapped to him. We're not talking about, like, a serial killer here. We're not talking about Osama bin Laden. Like, this is rolling in pretty damn heavy to just arrest one dude. I, I, I've, I've got questions here. So, anyway, they roll up. Um... Renal is outside. He's exiting his apartment. He's going into a car. All of these law enforcement officers show up and shooting starts happening. So, according to Kenosha PD, Renal had a gun on him. Nobody has come forth, not Kenosha PD, not anybody on the federal level, to say that Renal threatened anybody with a weapon. Nobody has said that. In fact, they have gone out of their way to say that we don't know, which I don't know how you could not know. I mean, you I would assume somebody would know who shot first. But anyway, and of course, there's always the, the caveat that, uh, of course, law enforcement always says, oh, well, he had a weapon on him. Like, OK, yeah, like you've not been caught planting weapons on people. Anywho, not saying that's what happened here, but I'm just saying that. I I take statements like that with a huge grain of salt when they're coming from law enforcement just because they don't have the best reputation of telling the whole unvarnished truth, especially in situations like this. Because what ended up happening is for some reason, four officers opened fire on Renal, killed him. Obviously, Renal is dead. Um, Nobody seems to know how many shots were fired. But four officers opened fire on this dude, and their official story is pretty fucking spotty. I mean, there's there's no body cam footage. Of course, of course there's no fucking body cam footage. Why would there be body cam footage? So apparently, but nobody is like filling in the blanks here as to why four law enforcement officers opened fire on a guy who nobody is willing to go on record as saying was posing a threat to those law enforcement officers. Here's my thing. For everybody who's looking at this situation and basically shrugging their shoulders and being like, oh, well, who gives a shit? If the shoe were on the other foot and say this kind of law enforcement presence showed up to take Rittenhouse into custody and lit him up like this, you know people would be pissed. You know the people that are shrugging their shoulders right now would be pissed as hell. They would be making the same points that I'm making, which is that why exactly did they go in that heavy 
why did they just start shooting? Like, what what the hell happened here? This story is just sketchy as fuck. So that's my kind of take on this. Is like, what... I, I need some explanations here. And, like, I, I'm not... I, I don't bench my ideology based on the person in question. Like, yes, Renal killed somebody. So did Rittenhouse killed two people and injured one person. I mean, I, I'm... People want to make a difference and draw distinctions between the two of these. Okay, sure. Depending on what tribe you're part of, depending on what ideology you adhere to, whether you want to view somebody as some kind of vigilante hero or a piece of shit scumbag. I mean, it's it's the situations aren't all that dissimilar. Honestly, you've got two guys who were out armed in the streets and killed people and said it was self-defense. One guy is still alive. One dude got lit the fuck up in a way that makes me wonder, like, you were there to arrest him, allegedly. It really sounds like you were there to arrest him in a body bag. Like, I, I just, I've, I, I've got questions. I've got a lot of questions here, but, so, Renal is dead. <laughs> and obviously this is not helping anything in Portland because Portland is already a hot mess. And, and just this, this. This ain't gonna help anything. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's gonna happen in Portland now, but I just, I, this whole situation is just weird to me. I mean, I just, I side-eye the fuck out of it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Something don't seem right here. And that's just me. But that is that, as it stands right now. Whether there will be further developments, probably <laughs> I don't know what else to say about this. So anyway, let's move on to Kenosha. And they got some visitors this week. Both Trump and Biden went to Kenosha this week. Um, Donald Trump went first and Joe Biden went a couple days later. Uh, definitely two very different visits. First of all, for the Trump visit, um, the governor of Wisconsin, the mayor of Kenosha, and the Blake family made it clear that they did not want him there. They asked them, please don't come. But come he did. And so he went there and you do the little on the ground touring thing. And for what it's worth, um, Trump did not talk to the Blake family. And there are varying stories as to why. Um, his excuse is that uh, Jacob Blake's mother wanted to have lawyers on the phone call with them, which I don't. I don't know what difference that would make. Um, I've seen statements coming from the Blake family that they were not particularly interested in talking to him anyway. So whatever. We don't want to talk to you. So we don't really care whether you want to talk to us or not. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, Lord. Um, so Trump goes there and he goes, he does the visit. Uh, he gives a couple speeches. Um, notably, does not really discuss the Jacob Blake situation. Obviously, he talks about the, the protests and the riots and the looting and everything in Kenosha. Um, eventually, somebody point blank asks him about Jacob Blake, and he does his usual bullshit thing of, well, it's horrible, and it's, it's so sad that anybody had to go through that, and we're investigating it. Guys, Trump has a particular tell. When he says something, this is how you know he really doesn't care about the topic that he's being asked about is when 
he kind of like makes little mouth noises and then says, oh, we're going to investigate it. And that's his way of saying that I don't really give a shit. And I just want to move on from this line of questioning. He does it a lot. Like if you've ever noticed, just look for that. Look for that whenever he, a topic comes up that he clearly doesn't want to talk about. It's always just, we're investigating it. And I'll, uh, once I get all the evidence, I'll, I'll form an opinion then. And then I'm sure he forgets about it five minutes later. Kind of like what he did when somebody brought up the topic of pardoning Eric Snowden. And he, again, made mouth noises and said, oh, we're going to look into it. And I'm, I'm sure he completely fucking forgot that Snowden even exists. So just a little tell that Trump has. So gives a speech, does the photo ops. Um, one photo op in particular ended up backfiring horribly. Um, he was standing in front of this, this camera shop that had been destroyed by fires. And he originally wanted to stand next to the guy who owned the business that was in the building. And that guy wanted nothing to do with him. So they found the owner of the building and got him to stand in there. And they kind of tried to pretend that the owner of the building was the owner of the business. And it just... Of course, because the internet is what it is, like, you can't pass off stuff like that anymore. Like, people are going to find out. Like, people are going to fact check. People are going to dig into it. People are going to, like, call you out on your shit. Like, I don't even know why anyone even tries it at this point. But he tried it. And so that blew up in his face. So anyway, he goes home and Joe Biden goes there. Um, He did spend time with the Blake family, Biden did. And he had a 15-minute phone conversation with Jacob Blake. Uh, Jacob Blake is still in the hospital, um, is still alive, though. So good news on that front. He is still among the living, but he is still in the hospital. And Joe attended a couple of events. He went to a church event. He gave a couple of speeches about systemic racism and how, you know, you did the basic kind of stuff, but definitely more better received than Trump was. And... I mean, hey, I just, uh, I, I get it. Like, I get it. Both men had to go because you're expected to go. I mean, Trump's the president. Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee. Like, I get everybody's like, oh, you got to go to Kenosha. Okay. Even I was kind of like, Biden needs to go to Kenosha. And I don't know. I feel like, well, especially in Trump's case, like if somebody asked me, to not go somewhere, especially under a situation like that, I would try to exhibit the good grace to not go just because I wouldn't want to interject myself into a situation like that where I was not wanted. That's just me. And as far as Biden going there again, like, yeah, I get it. It's the thing you have to do. But the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of not okay with either man going just because it's, to me, it's kind of, I don't really have another word to explain this, but kind of like crass in a way where you're going, like you're you're campaigning to become president of the United States. And so obviously everything is campaign related. Everything is about the race. To go someplace where people are hurting where people are suffering, where people are, are in pain and taking that backdrop and using it to further your own political message, political agenda, however you want to look at it. I just, I don't know. It's still like, like it's, it's too raw right right now. Like it's too fresh. Like maybe if it was a couple of weeks from now, 
sure, I guess, because you have to, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it feels icky to me in a way. That's kind of hard to explain. I hope you guys can kind of understand what I'm saying here, where like you're going someplace where people are suffering and you're basically there to have your picture taken and to speechify. It's just like, I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of gross to me in a way. But like I said, I get it. You have to go do the things because you're the person and you know, it is what it is. So they both went to Kenosha. Um, Another thing Trump did was try to repeatedly take credit for deploying the National Guard to Kenosha, which he did not. The governor of Wisconsin did that. So again, you're, you're going there and you're trying to like do the stolen valor thing. It's like, you, dude, stop. Just stop. I well, Like we know, we know you don't really care outside of trying to use this as some kind of campaign prop to be like, oh, this is what's going to happen if Biden becomes president. It's like, um, dude, you're president right now. And this is happening. Like, this message is not making any sense to anybody. And according to poll numbers that have been coming out um, post the RNC and post Kenosha, um, Joe Biden is widening his lead. So uh, this this campaign is not working very well. And which, I mean, of course it's not. Like, if I were Trump's campaign strategist, I would be telling him that maybe focusing on all the bad things that are happening in the country right now, the country that you are the president of, is not a very good strategy. Maybe let's find something that doesn't emphasize that stuff so much. Maybe let's find something positive to talk about and not show everybody these these images that make people think that the whole fucking country's on fire, which it's not. It's not. But yeah, focusing on the negative and then trying to push that off on someone else. Yeah, it's not working. It's not clicking. So we shall see. I mean, this is the point now where poll numbers do start to matter. So I will start reporting on them. But as it stands right now, yeah, the 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 messaging that the Trump campaign is putting out and the whole idea that the, the riots and the looting and everything is helping Trump is not really showing itself to be true in the poll numbers. So there's that. Um, to finish this off, though, because, of course, I mean, I can't not talk about this piece as much as I've talked about the media and various sorts of Phenomena that have happened during the Trump administration that existed before, but seem to have accelerated now. Um, The Atlantic ran a piece by Jeffrey Goldblum, where four sources that are not named, but apparently this has been corroborated by plenty of other people, including people at Fox News, that the story that The Atlantic ran is true and that they know who said it, but nobody's really naming names. But basically the whole gist of the piece is that Trump is not a very nice person and that he has said disparaging things about the military, about how when he went to France, he didn't want any of the World War I veterans there because they're old and like, you know, just bullshit like that, like stuff that we know Trump has said. And also things about disparaging John McCain, which we already know. Donald Trump has said plenty of disparaging things about John McCain. Like, he's called him a loser in public. Like, this is not under dispute. 
And the one story that got me from this is apparently there was an instance where Trump and General John Kelly were at Kelly's son's grave, who Kelly's son was also in the military. He died in Afghanistan at 29 years old. So they're at his son's grave and Trump makes a comment about what was in it for them. Like, okay. (laughs) I don't give a shit if you're trying to make a joke or not. Like, there are certain things you just do not say to a man when he is standing next to his son's grave, his son who died in combat. Like, if you can't think of anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Clearly. And, And Kelly is a better person than I am because if I was in that situation where I'm sitting there next to the grave of my child, like I put my child in the ground and somebody made a comment that callous to me, I'm punching them. Like I'm swinging on you. Like Secret Service better show up and pull me off of you. Like, how dare you, dude? But the story kind of blew up because of the anonymous sources. And Anonymous sourcing has been something I've been bitching about on this podcast for years now at this point, and I'm I'm interested as to why this story seems to be the story where everybody else has decided to start bitching about anonymous sources, because the stories that I was complaining about, and you saw this a lot during like the Russiagate scandal, where respectable news outlets would run with like one anonymous source that says some wild shit and then they just run with it where it's like guys it's one anonymous source this is like such a thinly sourced story why in god's name are you running this without verifying or vetting anything and so many of those stories turned out to be false so it's like i've been complaining about this for a while the one i complained the most about was the buzzfeed story where they swore up and down that they had proof that trump told michael cohen to lie to congress As it turns out, no, they didn't because that proof doesn't exist because Michael Cohen swears up and down that Trump never told him to go lie to Congress. I don't think they ever retracted the story. They tried to walk it back a little bit, but it's like stuff like that where I'm like, okay, you've got one anonymous person telling you this insane blockbuster thing that you run with because it it confirms your priors. It's something that you want to be true, so you run with it. Whether or not this is going to work out to be true or not, whether this is going to damage your credibility, like nobody gave a shit about any of that. And it's like, that's a big reason why there is so much distrust in the media right now is because of those stories that were pushed because they furthered a particular worldview, a particular confirmation bias, and they turned out to be false. But back to this Atlantic piece and why I wonder why everybody wants to come to this yard now. Um, there's nothing in the piece that sounds even remotely implausible. It's all of a piece of things that we know to be true about Trump. Like, we know he will disparage military families. We know he will disparage military members. We know he said shit about John McCain. Everybody can well imagine this man saying that to John Kelly. Like, there's nothing new here. I mean, it shouldn't be news at this point that Trump is a ginormous dickhead who says ginormous dickhead things. Like, this this shouldn't be new. Like, it shouldn't be new that Trump views life as a zero-sum game where there are winners and losers and how 
if you are somebody who went off to war and were injured or were killed in war, that you're somehow some kind of sap loser. Like, he's said as much. He said that about John McCain. Like, he, he refused to even acknowledge John McCain as any kind of war hero because he got captured. Like, this is not news. Like, we know how he feels about this. But everybody wants to talk about anonymous sources now. Like, oh my god, anonymous sources are so bad. It's so bad. How do we know any of this happened? I'm like, okay, I mean, if this is what it takes to bring you to this particular topic, all right. It's just a weird, weird hill to die on, on this one for me. Because there's, like I said, there's nothing new here. And would it be nice to have names? Sure. For what it's worth, uh, General Kelly was asked if this happened and his comment was no comment. Which I would think if it didn't happen, it would be just as easy enough for him to say that it didn't happen than it would be for him to say no comment. So, uh, take that for what it's worth, but Kelly did not say that it didn't happen. So, it's just, it's a weird one for me that everybody wants to question this particular story, but where the hell were you people? When I was bitching about this stuff years ago, it would have been nice to have some friends here. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. A lot of stuff this week is just weird. Just freaking weird. Front to back. So whether we will ever find out who said the things about Trump, um, probably not. Does it really matter? No. Does the story matter? Probably not. Because everybody's already made up their mind who they're voting for anyway. And I mean... If the Access Hollywood tape didn't sink Trump, then this isn't going to either. Like, come on. The man's on tape saying how he just grabs women by the pussy. Like, that that wasn't enough to keep him from getting elected. Trump saying things about military members is not going to be the thing that gets them from being reelected. So... Kind of a, a very weird inside the bubble story, but I'm I'm here to have a conversation about anonymous sources. Sure, why not? It's just this is a weird one to to start the conversation on. But anyway, that's about everything that we have to cover for this week. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. If you did make it this far, thank you for listening as always. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. And you can also now find me because I am now writing again. Yes, you can find me at rockanews.com. And I am also writing some pieces for Arc Digital. So you can find me there too. So as always, thank you for listening. Take care and I'll see you next time.